you really need to not sit and just present slide after slide after slide. You need to make it a conversation more so than you did on site. It needs to be a mutual conversation and you need to set it up like that from the beginning. Let them know that you want this to be a two-way dialogue and that you presenting usage stats or stats on how many tickets you've solved or whatever it may be. It needs to be more of a dialogue. Gainsight presents the Game Changer Podcast with host Adam Joseph. Hello, and welcome to the Game Changer Podcast brought to you by Gainsight. That clip was from today's guest, Miranda Zizkonski, Vice President of Customer Success and People Operations at Swiftly. Today, we're talking all about the art of the executive business review. Miranda covers it all from the EBR meeting's purpose to the audience and how to prepare, execute, and follow up. And now your host, Adam Joseph. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast series. I'm Adam Joseph, the Director of Customer Success at Gainsight. So the main topic of today's pod is one that I'm sure is going to resonate with almost anyone who's been in a customer success role for any time at all, and that's delivering effective business reviews with senior executives. Now, call it whatever you want, a quarterly business review, executive business review, or a strategic briefing. These meetings play an incredibly important part of your engagement strategy with your customer. And at this point in my career, I've probably sat through hundreds, if not thousands, of these meetings, and I've seen them done brilliantly, and others, well, not so much. So why are these types of meetings so important, and and what steps can you take to make sure that both you and, most importantly, your customer are making the most out of this really important opportunity? Well, I'm thrilled to say that joining me is Miranda Dukonski, who I've already apologized for probably mispronouncing her surname, but is the Vice President of Customer Success and People Operations at Swiftly. Miranda, a very warm welcome and apologies in advance if I screwed up your surname. You actually had it spot on. So kudos. What a great start. Kudos to you. Yeah. No, thank you so much for having me. Okay. Um, Well, this is already a success. Yeah. And and before we pushed record, we were kind of joking around that we've been trying to do this since 2017. So I'm really happy to be here. This is three years in the making, right? This is incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't we kick off? Tell us a little bit about you and, and your role and the company you work for. Yeah, so I'm the vice president of customer success and people operations at a company named Swiftly. Swiftly is probably one of those companies that not many people have heard of, but believe it or not, they've probably encountered our data in action. So we partner with transit agencies, public transit agencies, and we're global. And our data powers like your real-time passenger information and on-time performance analytics. So if you're in a city that we work with, like your ETA on your bus on Google would come from us. So that's kind of it in a nutshell there. And about myself, I have been doing customer-facing operations for over 20 years and in the startup world for about 10 years now. I sit on various boards. I actually uh, i am a board of advisor for CSM practice with DREIT. I'm also on the board of advisors at University of San Francisco for their MBA program and also various other boards. I live, eat, breathe, sleep, customer success. So I'm very excited to be talking about it. 
So I think for everyone listening to the, that introduction will give you a clue about why I've been trying to get Miranda on a podcast for three years. Um, I've, I've been a big fan of your work, listened to many of your webinars that you've been on and your podcast as well. So look, thanks again for joining. And the topic I think uh, will resonate, as I mentioned, with almost everyone in a, in a CS role. But before we dive into that too much, I'm always keen to find a little bit about the fun side of, of all of my guests on these podcasts. So here's a fun question for you. If, if you were deserted on your own desert island, but you could take three luxury items with you, what would they be? Uh, yeah, this is hard, right? So <laughs> first, this won't surprise anybody that knows me well, an unlimited supply of Diet Coke. Of course, <laughs> it needs to be ice cold. I have a bit of a habit. So that would be number one. I'm also a big reader. So I, I know I'm on a, a deserted island, but I would love it if I had a Kindle that was just chocked full of a lifetime supply of books. And then lastly, I, I'm really grappling with photography equipment because I love taking photos, but then who would see them and what would I do with them or like art supplies so I could paint. I, I've recently with Shelter in Place have taken up acrylic painting and really enjoying, you know, sitting outside and just painting random things. I'm not great, but mm. it's definitely something that's been feeding my soul. Yeah, well, it's important, right? And I can certainly join you. And I, I, I use these words carefully. I'm a Coke addict like you. <laughs> I listen to it. It's Diet Coke more than anything more nefarious. Yeah, I, I need to get off that stuff because it's so easy just to grab a can from the fridge and while you're working. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> can do all manner of harm. But look, let's dive into the, the topic. And I spoke before, I mean, there are many different names for what here we're calling an executive business review. I, I used to call them quarterly business reviews, but then we did, then you're, you're, you, you, know, you feel obliged to run them every quarter and it never used to work out that way. But let, before we dive into how to do them right, when I say executive business review, Randall, what do you mean that to be? How do we define what an EBR actually is? And how does it differ from other types of customer engagements that you might have? Yeah. So, you know, what, how I define it is really it's a, a time for you to be strategic partner with your customers to, you know, have a set cadence. Of course, I'm with you. I, I think quarterly is just too much. Nobody can commit to that. You know, I think twice a year is fine. And once a year for certain customers is fine as well. But it's really a time for you to partner with your customer to, you know, align on goals, you know, celebrate your outcomes, showcase any return on investment that they may have achieved from your product. But most importantly, to really grow and develop the relationship with the respective executives. That's hence the E in the EBR. So it's your executive business review and making sure everybody really gets to know each other, you build rapport, you build trust, you build that relationship. You know, there's so much more that, that you know, goes into an EBR and I'm, we're going to get into it here. But also, you know, I would put in there, recalibrate on any goals that were missed. So for me, that's the total purpose and, and definition behind an, an EBR. Yeah, I think you nailed it when you said like the E of the EBR. Let's remember it's all about executives and you, you need to get the right people in the room. This is different from the, the, maybe the, the different type of more tactical meetings that you might have. And particularly because the, the people responsible for actually signing off on the original deal and then subsequent renewals to come, might not, you, you might have no interaction with them or very little. And then if you always you know, rely on your day-to-day -day contacts to share what I call success stories up the pipe, 
sometimes you know they'll do a really good job on that and sometimes they won't when i used to run training sessions in in the world of customer success i used to play this role play scenario whereby i would have the csm imagine for a moment i got them to play the part of the their day-to-day contact and they they met up with the the executive the c-level executive who was responsible for signing off on the renewal and they they met in a you know in an elevator and they had 30 seconds and the executive said hey we've just got this this invoice through for renewal of that product you used do you think it's worth it and then we we kind of scored um you know every, every relationship on the ability on their ability to whether they could accurately describe what that was and nail some of those success stories and i've got to say the the results were very were really varied and so you know you don't want to be in a place where you're relying on your day-to-day contacts to share the value and ROI of everything that you're doing for your customer and then right. you know having them share it with the executives so it's absolutely important vital that as you think about the types of executives who are ultimately going to decide your future whether to hopefully not only renew but spend more dollars or pounds and and procure more business you you absolutely need them and i think that expectation needs to be set right at the very beginning, right? So when you talk about the relationship, I think it's vital that you get these key stakeholders and, and they understand because you're probably not the only vendor right, who's going to ask their time. And so maybe they're there for the whole EBR. Sometimes they're only there for maybe a portion of it. But it's to me, it's vital that the E of the EBR is clearly understood and how this does differentiate from, from other types of customer engagements. And you also mentioned them what, one of the the other things I wanted to pick up on was how you know the cadence at which you need to run these meetings. So segmentation might be something that's really familiar to a lot of people listening, and everywhere from low to tech touch to all the way up to enterprise by, uh, wide business. Is there, in your eyes, Miranda, any set guidelines for how often these should be done? So should should actually enterprise customers get them every every quarter actually, and then you you, you kind of make them more sparse for other types of customers or do you, would you treat them all on a case-by-case basis? Yeah, you know, so here's the thing. It's not a one-size-fits-all. I, I, you know, I would love to be able to say that we have this scientific method that every customer fits into, but the reality is, is it's going to be a business-by-business, business, not a case-by-case, case, but business-by-business business scenario here. So for example, at Swiftly, if you are an enterprise account, you get two a year. If you are mid-market, you get one a year on-site. And if you're considered in our small business bucket, you would get one a year uh, virtually. Of course, now everything's virtually, but (laughs) this was pre-COVID days. However, my small business, mid-market, and enterprise are way different than another company's small business, mid-market, and enterprise. So what uh, each leader of the the customer success function at, at their company needs to do is take a look at the needs of the customer and design the cadence of the business reviews around those needs. You could Google from here until tomorrow and find probably hundreds of different opinions on who should get a business review, what cadence it should be, what you should be solving for in the business review. While you'll take tidbits away from each of those opinions, the reality is, is you need to sit down, take a look at your overall customer base and determine what's right for you. Like we said, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. But I think for me, one of the most important things that you want to get out of delivering the EBR is making sure you're still aligned on what the overall goal is. Because obviously, when a customer first buys your product or solution, there should be a really close understanding of why they're buying, what specific problem that they're looking to solve, and how that's going to be measured. You know, we at Gainsight call those verified outcomes. 
But of course, things don't stay the same very often. Um, you know, even inside your own company, there will be new products, new releases, new executives join. You know, the company might have changed. You know. A lot since when the, your customer first started doing business with you, and, and likewise, your customer would have would have changed. They'll bring on new people, have new products, and maybe they'll serve a slightly different audience. So, to me, I think if I think about one of the most important differentiators between what a strategic business review does or an EBR in this format, and something more tactical that you might have on a day to day basis, it's you really need to make sure you've got alignment on how your customer is holding you accountable and what problems you're solving or how you're helping the, you know your customer be more successful absolutely because without that you know you can sometimes get so lost in the day you know you're so busy just doing the normal types of calls and checking usage and everything else but that all needs to play up to a big you know the bigger picture which is why are we even doing business in the first place and how are we measuring that and to me the 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 EBR is the, the perfect avenue for doing that. Would you agree with that as well? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's definitely the goal of the EBR to make sure you are recalibrating on everything, quite frankly, the entire state of the relationship if you can squeeze it in in an hour. So if you're being a strong partner to your customer, what you're doing is you're being very outcomes focused with them and you're creating goals, you're hitting milestones and you're really moving the needle so they're making progress with you and using your product and then becoming more sticky along the way. So I think an EBR is a fantastic time to celebrate that, to showcase that ROI. And then also I touched upon this a little bit earlier, but look, you're not going to hit all of the goals that you set out hit. It's important as well that you bring that up and talk about that at the EBR because I would almost guarantee the executive sitting at the table knows that you didn't hit all of your goals that you set out to hit. And another thing you touched upon was things change. Things change in the time of six months, three months, a year, whatever the cadence is. So talk about those changes. Do you have a new executive sponsor at the customer? If so, how are you bringing them along in that conversation and making sure that they're aware that when the product was purchased, this is what was set out to be solved. This is where you are in doing so and what the next steps are. Or even looking at the problem statement that was identified when the product was purchased and making sure that's still true today. There's a lot of those types of things that need to happen during the EBR just to make sure everybody's aligned and you have your next steps solidified before you leave the room to continue that relationship and continue growing and involving that partnership. Great points. I mean, the other thing I'd say is when we talk about the EBR, it's not a you know a, a, a single act. In fact, you know an EBR has actually probably got three acts in it. You've got the preparation, the execution, and the follow up. In fact, the execution of the EBR is probably the the easiest one to to execute to to do actually it probably takes less time i mean the preparation and the follow-up are critical to whether the ebr itself is a success so if we let, let's let's kind of just split out those three parts the preparation the execution and the follow-up let's start with preparation clearly we've already spoken upon it's vital that you've got the right people in the room you know those senior executives particularly those that are responsible for ultimately signing off on a the, the renewal or any uh, up or cross sell opportunities. Now, very often, and I'm, I'm sure many time-starved CSMs will, you know, see that they've got a EBR coming up in the schedule, and then grab the template of the 
another EBR that they've done and maybe change a few of the logos, uh, make sure they do a replaceal from one company name to another and hope to get away from it. So how important for you is that whole preparation stage? And for Timestrap CSMs, is it okay to do that? Or should we be recommending actually every customer is different, therefore the EBR is different? And, and although maybe the some of the slides could stay, really you want to think about everyone as an individual rather than just doing a, an edit and a replaceal. Yeah, I, I hate to sound like a parrot, but I think it depends on the product. If your product, when you are figuring out what are the top 10 outcomes that your customers want to achieve on your product and you find that everybody fits into one of those 10 buckets, you may be able to utilize a template and plug and play. However, I find that's very unlikely. Usually you have a few slides that you know you can use across from EBR to EBR, and then you need to plug in the unique information for each customer. So I wish it, I wish it were that easy just to say you're always going to have the same template. But the reality is, is your customers probably have unique needs and they're solving for unique problems. So you need to be able to show them how you are helping them solve those problems. Mm. So yeah, I, I think that you can have a framework and utilize that framework, but know that the preparation part is probably the most important part. Mm. One of the things that I do like to see my customer success managers do prior to even starting the preparation is think through the agenda. Think through what is it you, what's the story you want to tell and who are your attendees and what do they care about? Set up a call with your key stakeholders before you even create your deck and talk to, talk to your partners there. Talk to your key stakeholders and say, hey, we're going to have these 10 people in the room. Tell me, you know them well. What are the things they're going to want to know about? What are the things they're going to want to hear? That way you kind of get some behind the scenes input to help you prep. And then before you even do your EBR, send an agenda out in advance to everyone that's going to be in the room and say, these are the topics I would like to discuss. Is there anything you would like to have added to this agenda? That also will help you with the preparation. Make sure that you're all talking the same language and that you're being really respectful of their time. It shows a tremendous amount of respect to reach out in advance like that, knowing that each of us probably have, if you think about the software tools that we use in the day-to-day in business, I mean, I probably have 15 that I can name right off the top of my head. I don't have time to sit in an EBR with every one of them. And you know, it's going to be the mission critical tools that I'm going to sit in EBRs with. And I also want to make sure that if I'm going to sit in on those EBRs, you're not wasting my time. You know, it's funny. I, I wrote down like a top 10 list of preparation items for an EBR. And I think you, you, you nailed almost every one. You know, preparation is key. Always make sure you send that agenda ahead of time completely with you there. Making sure you get the right people in the room. So we've covered that one already. You know, managing the time effectively, particularly if you if uh, it takes time to set up or you want to spend, you know, a few minutes just getting to know a, a new a new contact. You could, if you've allocated an hour, you might just spend fifteen minutes just on the intros, and then you're playing catch up. You know, you feel that you've got to rush through your your collateral and you know that you've struggled to get your message across. I also think it's really important during these these sessions that you know you don't and I think slide preparation is key if you are if you are going to share some content. But you should you should listen. You should use this as an opportunity to listen to what your customer's got to say and don't feel that you've got to fill in every single every single little space or gap in that session. 
because if all you're doing is is presenting, you're wasting a, a really useful opportunity. Absolutely. And, and the other thing, I, I, I call something the so what test. So everything that we want to show during an EBR, does it really pass the the so what test? In other words, if a senior executive, is it really going to make them sit up in their seat and, and actually pay attention to what you're saying? Or is it just usage slide upon usage slide upon usage slide? And don't get me wrong, usage is a nice barometer, but it, only if it can then you know, tell the story about the value that they're getting. And if it can help support that, then great. But just showing 20 slides worth of usage charts to me is not an effective way of spending time at an EBR. I mean, you can, you can leave information with them afterwards, but I would certainly tell anyone preparing for an EBR, don't overfill it. Make sure you've got time to have a discussion. Don't feel that you've got to spend every moment talking and make sure everything is, you know, everything that you show really adds to the narrative that you want to put through. And, and finally, you know, what constitutes a successful outcome? So, you know, and this doesn't just apply to EBRs, it applies to every kind of customer communication, formal or informal, that very often we're so focused on just doing it, we're not really thinking about, was this worth it or not? What, how do I know whether this was a success or a failure? So put down some of your success factors at the beginning uh, and then judge yourself as to whether you've achieved them or not. And that would be a, a great barometer as to whether you need to up your game with regards to helping prepare for EBR. Let's maybe move on to the actual execution of the EBR now. And you, you mentioned again, Miranda, we live in a different world now where we're doing everything remote. And I think there is an art to delivering an EBR in person versus doing one remotely. Have you got any kind of pointers there in terms of execution, whether you are doing these things remotely now, how you can keep people engaged based on the experiences that you've had? Yeah, it's funny you ask that because I, I'm trying to figure this out right now. Um, it's uh, we were accustomed to going on site, so we had that you know that luxury of having that FaceTime, being able to shake hands, and be able to see the body language and facial expressions in real time. So now it's trying. We're, we're trying to figure out how do we replicate that over Zoom. And while it's possible, it's not the same, of course. So a, a few things that we have done and that I've, I've suggested others to do is one, if your customer feels comfortable with it, ask them if they don't mind turning their cameras on. You'd be surprised most folks don't want to turn their camera on mm. and they will come and, and sit and listen. But that makes it really hard, right? So you... you then feel like you are presenting to your computer mon monitor rather than people. Also, I think you have to shift how you present the information. You kind of alluded to it before, but you know you really need to not sit and just present slide after slide after slide. You need to make it a conversation more so than you did on site. It needs to be a mutual conversation and you need to set it up like that from the beginning. Let them know that you want this to be a two-way dialogue and not you presenting usage stats or stats on how many tickets you've solved or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. It needs to be more of a dialogue. And I think lastly, uh, you know, when executing remote, it's just really even, it's even more so important that you have those call before the calls that we talked about mm -hmm. and understand what everybody wants to get out of it. And then also ask for advice on with your contact on how do you make sure everybody gets a voice while they're in the conversation, right? I have been in an EBR where, and this is on site, where I'm sitting around a table with, you know, 10 other representatives from the organization and everybody's interacting. 
and the EBRs are going great. And then an individual that was late showed up 20 minutes in and it sucked the air out of the room and everybody stopped talking because this individual was dominating the room. That can happen even more so when you're on Zoom. So making sure you understand who is that person and what do they care about and and how do you make sure everybody else gets a voice as well still. Yeah, it's it's a, a, a great point. And then so obviously executing the the EBR is critical, managing the personalities in the room. And also, I think, you know, you could really use your personality to your advantage. And I think this is particularly important when you're doing these things virtually, because they can always be a bit dry. So, you know, like just like we started off today, yes, it's a really important topic, but you can, you can still make a moment and ask something to get to know the individuals a little better. Yeah, you need to carefully manage it, but it, it gets the right environment, you know, gets people comfortable with all having a voice. And, and creates a dialogue before you then get into the, the actual EBR itself. And I found that to be a huge help. Yeah, uh, we, we actually use that where we are right now. And it's funny because, as I said before, we work with transit agencies. A lot of folks that are at transit agencies have been there 15, 20, 30 years. Mm. One of the questions I find that really prompts a lot of dialogue is asking, how long have you been at the agency? Who are you? How long have you been at the agency? And you go around and it's like a competition. They have a lot of fun with it. <laughs> So if you can find out what is that for your customer base, yeah. it's gold. So look, you've, we've focused on the preparation and then the execution. That Clearly, the third part of the, the trilogy is the follow-up. And what can, you know, you feel you can now the, the prep and you've done it and then you deliver the EBR uh, the EBR itself only to come you know come back in 3 6 9 months later and you find actually it's the same meeting over again it's just the time has moved on but nothing else has so how can you make sure that hopefully if you've delivered a great EBR and you've got all of this momentum built up that that doesn't dissipate afterwards so how can you manage the activity that comes on afterwards to make sure that the momentum isn't lost yeah so we've seen this happen. I think every one of us has seen this happen, not only with EBRs, but with projects in general. Mm-hmm. And what it comes down to when I see something like this happen is one, I always take a look at, did we really set up the right goals? Is it something that everyone cares about? Something that everyone wants to be involved in and everybody agrees that this is really going to move the needle? So when you're leaving these, you know, the business reviews and you have your list of follow-ups, Make sure that it is something that's going to move the needle and that everybody is going to be mutually involved with. Follow up within one business day. Don't let it go longer than a business day because the momentum is there. Everybody's excited. Everything's fresh. So make sure you follow up and make sure you're setting up your regular cadence of meetings afterwards to keep the momentum moving. But it really comes down to why do things slip in general? because those things become less important than other things you're working on or other things that people are trying to solve for. So how do you make sure whatever it is you're trying to solve for is the most important thing and is going to move the needles where it stays front and center and doesn't just lose momentum and become yet another conversation, the same thing in six months or same yeah. thing in three months. I, th- I think for me, if I think about two common characteristics that, re- that are really important is you know while you're in the EBR, I always like to sum up at the end and make sure that I, as I'm going through, I'll try and write some notes as, as people are talking and just get everyone's agreement that, you know, the, the recap of the meeting at the end and the follow-on actions are, are you know, you, you've understood them correctly and everyone's aligned with them. 
And I think the second thing is once you've done that, and then it's about holding people accountable. And that isn't just people within your own business. It's your your customers as well. I mean, every it shouldn't be a, a vendor customer relationship it's a partnership and and for for your customer to get maximum roi from using your solution or product they you know they've got some skin in the game as well and so you need to hold everyone accountable and you need to make sure everyone's aligned with what you're doing and and i loved your point about don't let too much time slip between when you're executing and then the follow up don't let that momentum dip because it's very very hard to get to get back going again and worst case scenario You've got to then wait until the next EBR before you pick it up, which will be an awful waste of time. And then you'll just find yourself just, you know, rinse and repeat on each and every occasion. Yeah. So just as a, a final question, I think we've covered a lot of ground and, and it's been super, super valuable. But is there a particular EBR that you've been part of that have just said, oh, man, I wish I could have just recorded this and shown this to my team and others about you know, what is a fantastic EBR? And was there anything, one in particular, with maybe something the individual did, something the customer brought to the table that really made it stand out for you? Yeah, I'm actually thinking about an EBR that my team did. I've been a part of, as you, numerous EBRs, some amazing, some genius, and some you're like, okay, that was an absolute waste of time. And for me, the one that really comes to mind is we had you know, all of the right stakeholders at the table. Everybody was super excited. They all loved the agenda. They were very engaged, asking questions. There was a lot of dialogue going on back and forth. Not only did we leave with, you know, all kinds of plans about things that we were going to do together, but we also left with like a big upsell opportunity, expansion opportunities. And it was very clear that this customer was a huge advocate for our product, not just a partner, but like a level up. Like they were advocating us and talking about us and, and you know, writing case studies and, and things like that. I get goosebumps just from the excitement from that moment, but it was a very telling moment of the possibilities of an EBR when you leave with that much momentum. And it, it comes a lot, it, it came a lot from the prep that went into it, making sure that the right folks were there, making sure that our product roadmap was ready to be presented and that we, you know, showcased that their product feedback items were really driving progress, right? So they felt very invested in us and we were very invested in them. Well, do you know, I, I think what I love about that is you, you've taken aspects of virtually everything that we talked about during this pod. So what a wonderful way to to wrap up. Miranda, thank you so much. I know this has been three years in the making, but uh, it's been well worth it because I've loved the discussion today. And just thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. It was my pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I I guess uh, let's go and grab a Diet Coke and (laughs) we'll talk again soon. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much. Goodbye now. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast. Please follow, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about all of our episodes, please visit Gainsight.com. This podcast is produced and edited by StudioPod. To learn more about their work, go to StudioPodSF.com.